0: Welcome in the studio with Mike Card. I'm Wayne Shepard, and it's great to be with you again. It's been so encouraging, Mike, to uh, read the emails and see the uh, social media postings from our friends who listen to the program.
1: Yeah, it's a whole new sort of world we've launched out into. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And so thanks for doing that and keep that up because that, that helps build the audience. It does. That's making well. those connections and uh, doing those links and all that sort yeah. of thing. And can I be as bold as to suggest that you might want to leave a review on iTunes for the podcast? Is that Because how it works? that helps us as well. So how does that work? Uh, well, when you put a review there, it attracts other people to listen. So. Ah, okay. Interesting. So. Well, you young people know how stuff like this works. <laughs> yeah, he says <laughs> facetiously. All right, we're going to have some fun today. We're going to uh, camp out in John 21 in right. a few minutes. And we're going to Rome. Yes. How about that? Yeah, yeah. By way of telephone. Yeah, yeah. Will you take me with you sometime? Yeah, yeah, let's go. (laughs) We're going to have some fun here today. But I know you've been out uh, touring and teaching, and I know it's been a long time away from home for you. But talk about where you've been and what you've been doing and the people you've met. Well, I've been gone for three weeks. In fact, at the first of the three weeks, we were together in the studio
1: in Moody. That's how I started this Uh three weeks away from home. I went to Michigan to uh, Maranatha Camp up there and taught for a week, mm-hmm. and then I went to Sandy Cove, which is in Maryland, and taught for two weeks there, uh, straight. So I'm I'm kind of talked out. I yeah. don't know if I'm I'm never talked out, <laughs> but uh, but three weeks of teaching uh, has been 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 interesting. So I get to go home today. So good, that's good. gonna be a good. Well, thing. I know
0: Susan will welcome you home then. And yeah. uh, your topic has been Hesed, right?
1: Well, Hesed, and then went, for one week I taught on on Lament, uh, and it's just Wayne, it's. The the, the the sweetness of the people, anybody that would come to a Christian camp for their vacation and what they want to do for vacation is study the Bible with somebody. You know, those are going to be sweet. I would never do that. Yeah,
0: but it's Michael Card. Now,
1: I don't think that I don't think that think figures into it. But um, I, I've been around uh, the, the the most caring and, you know, just, again, sweet. I don't want to wear that word out. Sweet people for the last three weeks. So encouraging uh, and a lot, a lot of handicapped kids. There was a handicapped kid in, um, at Sandy Cove, AJ. And he is that would, the
0: guy that liked to play with your beard. Yeah. He I saw come, your photo on yeah, Facebook. That's yeah, him. Yeah.
1: He'd come up and scratch my beard and pat you on the back. But the really sweet thing that he would do if someone walked by and he was talking to you, he would take your hand and put your hand in their hand. Like he's trying to let people meet people. He doesn't, doesn't really have language really? so much, but yeah, um, I don't know. It was just it was Hesed. I mean, he was this little embodiment of of just loving kindness and um, yeah.
0: So I learned a lot from AJ. Well, it's so good time. of you to notice that kind of thing yeah. because you know, for many of us, myself included, we're so busy we don't take time to to appreciate that in someone.
1: Well, one of the fun things about studying a word like Hesed is once you get define it, then you start saying, "Oh, that was Hesed." Oh. Well, you know, so why is there a tear in my eye after I saw that commercial? <laughs> it's Because someone was being kind and in an over-the-top sort of way. Oh, that's Hesed. Yeah. So. Um, and we were talking about a movie earlier before turning the mics right, on. Mully. Mully. Yeah, which is Hesed on a, a huge scale um, in, in, uh, in in Kenya and Africa. Uh, uh, this incredible uh, brother who took care of takes care of thousands of orphans.
0: So today, as Michael said, we are going to uh, connect with a brother in Rome. You'll yeah. meet him uh, later in the program, and we're going to open up to John chapter 21 and talk about uh, Jesus and the post-resurrection uh, appearance of Jesus on the beach, which is, I, I've said this before, this is my favorite chapter of the Scripture. It is. I, lo- I love this chapter. Oh. I really do. It just paints such a picture.
1: Ah, well, and, and we're going to connect the the Peter of John 21 to the Peter of Acts, uh-huh. uh, who who ends up in Rome, and... Uh, and um, Talk to a person who's
0: eminently qualified to, you know, to, to fill us in on the details yeah. of Peter's life. Yeah, you got to stay tuned for that. And again, thanks for, uh, for sticking with us on this podcast slash radio program in the studio with Michael Card. In a couple of minutes, we have some time to talk about this, but we're going to uh, feature some music from... Um Fragile Stone. Right. I tr- had to take a moment to remember. How, how can you remember that stuff? I'm so impressed. Why wouldn't I remember it? Well, I, I can can't the, remember it half the I time. I can see this CD cover <laughs> in my eye, mind's eye right now, but wow. we're going to hear Soul Anchor in a moment, and we'll hear some other music from Fragile Stone uh, throughout the hour here. Well, and, and by the way, this is music that you recorded in the studio for this program. Right. It's, we're not just playing the CD. Yeah, we never right. just play the CD. Right. But
1: Soul Anchor came from um, the book of Hebrews, which is written to mm-hmm. Roman Christians, mm-hmm. and uh, it's this image uh, that was used in Christianity long before the cross was used. People don't realize this. Uh, the first uh, image uh, wasn't uh, a cross. That wasn't that wasn't the kind of image anybody thought about wearing it was around an their
0: instrument of death.
1: Right? People were still being crucified. Who in their right mind would wear a cross around their neck? So they had uh, the uh, well, some ichth- the ichthus was the secret symbol
0: that they used, but also the soul anchor. And you told me about seeing yeah. The, I got to tell anchor. you this story. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, along with uh, some family, were in Rome a couple of years ago, and we went down to the catacombs. Yeah, which I would never do. You wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> Claustrophobia. No <laughs> <Okay>. way. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a little tight, I'll admit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure we didn't see all that we could have seen if I had been a little more, you know, more brave. Yes. But, but um, I probably drove my wife nuts because. There on the wall would be the symbol of an anchor. And I say, hey, my card told me about that. You know, that's an early Christian symbol that huh. predates the cross. So did you see crosses down there? You don't see crosses in the older part of the cathedral. I don't remember seeing them. I was so taken yeah. with the anchors on yeah, the wall. You don't but, see them there. Yeah, Yeah. And, of course, those go back to early Christian times. Right, so. right, first century. So you've you would be, you've been validated. Oh, good. Well, you, you know how important that is to me, Wayne, so Thank you. <laughs> My little cup of affirmation for the right. morning. Thank you, brother. Right. All right. Well, we'll hear Soul Anchor in just a moment and we'll get to John 21 next coming up on uh, this edition of in the studio. We have an email address in the studio at michaelcard.com. We'd love to hear from you and please don't, yes. you know, don't think that we don't read them because we do. Yeah,
1: ideas for programs, something you'd like to hear a person you would like to hear us talk to, uh, a subject you'd like to hear us cover,
0: as long as it's biblical, especially in terms of the life of Jesus, we we'd love to do that. Yeah. All right. So, Let's get started, shall we? And yes. let's do it musically, and then we'll open to John twenty-one. Great. This is the song "Soul Anchor" from "A Fragile Stone." You have a puzzled look on your face right now about "Fragile Stone." Yeah, it's not from "Fragile Stone," actually. Oh, it's so from, I didn't have it right. It's from the, but I'm still impressed by your ability to remember <laughs> things. Uh, it's it's on the album "Soul Anchor." Soul, of course. Yeah. This is the title cut. Yes. All right, but it's still I can still see the CD in my in my head and that it's, yellow, and it still relates to the life of Peter. <laughs> All right. Well. Let's forget all that that I said, and let's just enjoy this song that Michael does for us in the studio now, Soul Anchor. Though the wind is raging all
2: around, and even though the waves may rise, there's a place of stillness in the storm, and you can find it if you will believe. It's a soul anchor, hold on to the hope, it is a soul anchor And hold on to your courage, before we call he answers us with hope We are so sure of what we're waiting for Certain of the things we do not see. For we are told by one who
1: cannot lie,
2: and in this hope is our security.
0: In our continuing study of John, we come to the final chapter today. Mm, it's been a long trip. Yeah. Long but journey. But a very worthwhile one and a very rewarding to pick up all the detail, all the understanding here that we have from you about this mm-hmm. book of John.
1: And, and take these things and let them sort of simmer on the back burner of your mind so that when you do go through... The gospel, you don't have to have a notebook, you no. know, in your hand, but they, they come to your mind when you actually read the
0: text. You know, for the rest of your life, hopefully you'll continue to find oh, sure. new things here in the book of John.
1: Well, I can tell you, I mean, I'm 51 and I've been I've been reading the Bible hard since I was about 14 and this, this happens all the time. It's inexhaustible. You find new things all the time yeah. because it's alive.
0: It's yeah. alive, yeah. You know, recently I heard a sermon based on John twenty-one, which we're going to talk about today—the final chapter of this book—and it, yeah. it's just—it was just wonderful to yeah. go back and to to look at that chapter in detail. So let's do that together here in the studio today.
1: Well, I liked your image, Wayne. You said a lot of times when you when you read John, it's it's uh, it's like a movie. Hmm. You, you sort you of see imag- an
0: old man on the island of Patmos, yeah. and and then he's, he's sort of flashing back. Yeah, you know? and,
1: and I think that's a great, is especially great description of chapter twenty one. Yeah. Even though John didn't write, Chum John... We we don't believe John actually wrote the chapter. Now it's clearly his. It's clearly his story, and it's clearly scripture. It's clearly the word of God, absolutely. But what you need to know is, I mean. It, the chapter itself will say he's died, so I'm, it's not like <laughs> yes, I'm adding to the Bible. John was
0: good, but not that good. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah.
1: And and when, when we look at this story, this is the second miraculous catch of fish. It happens twice. The first one is in Luke 5. And if we didn't have Luke 5, we wouldn't understand mm-hmm. John 21, the mm-hmm. second miraculous catch of fish. But w- why I know this is an authoritative story is that it's filled with eyewitness detail. So let, let's look at it. Okay. Okay. Um, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's Gal- the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. It happened this way. Now, not in the whole gospel d- d- is there ever a statement like that. It happened this way. That's his disciples. That's mm-hmm. whoever you know added this, this uh, passage. Maybe it was Philemon. Maybe it was someone like that because mm-hmm. he was in the church at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. It happened this way. And now what do you have? You have a roll call of all the guys who were there. Yep. Now, that's eyewitness detail. Right? Because John is there that morning. He remembers that Simon was there and Thomas was there. And he remembers that Thomas had a nickname. Didymus. Didymus, which means twin. And the tradition is that Thomas actually looked a lot like Jesus. Oh. And he was referred to as the twin.
0: I never heard that before. before.
1: Yeah, it's sort of a fun, it was a fun nickname for Thomas. Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee. We believe that's Bartholomew. Nathaniel is there. And the sons of Zebedee. Okay? James and John. James and John. And one of them obviously is is uh, the writer, and two other disciples. I can't remember them right now, John says to himself, but there are two other disciples that that were there. And Peter says, I'm going to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went along into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Gee, that sounds like Luke Luke uh 5, right? Early in the ministry of Jesus, this happened. And there are a lot of scholars who will say, well, uh, clearly there was only one miraculous catch of fish, and John has put it in the wrong place. Oh, no. Yeah, my response to that is, duh. <laughs> it happened twice. Very important. Early in the morning, there's another eyewitness detail, Jesus stood on the shore, but it looked, look, look, Wayne, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. There it is. He is not immediately recognizable mm-hmm. to the disciples. And in a minute, in verse 13, it'll say And none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Very mysterious. But he calls out to them, friends, you haven't caught any fish, have you? Because in, in Greek, it indicates that he is expecting a no answer. And what I like to say is that Jesus specializes in irritating questions. And the most irritating thing you can ask a fisherman is, you haven't caught any fish, have you? How you doing, boys? Yeah. Yeah. And they shout back, probably probably mumbling under their breath some other things that shouldn't no. be written in the Bible. <laughs> no, they answered. And and look at the detail. Throw your net on the right side. Starboard. See, John's a fisherman. He remembers that detail. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, throw the net on the right side. It's not symbolic and, you know, if people. No, it's just eyewitness detail. Throw your net on the right side and you'll find some. And they did this huge number of fish. And look what happens. Then the disciple who Jesus loved, and we know that's John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now, how does he know it's the Lord? Does he have binoculars? Did he recognize? Oh, it really is him. He recognized the miracle. Hmm. He remembers Luke 5. Okay. He remembers there's only one person that can say, put your net here. And then the boat almost tips over because there's so many fish. So he goes, oh, it's the Lord. <laughs> and as soon as Peter hears this good old impetuous Peter, don't we love him? He dives right in <laughs> the water. He wraps
0: his outer garment around him. Yep. For he had not taken it off and jumped into the water. And and jumped in the water. So he kind of got his clothing tight around him. He's right, to get the, the Labrador retriever of disciples. <laughs> Right, he's just paddling for sure. Oh, he well,
1: here's the here's the point. He is going to get to Jesus any way he can. And what you need to know is we have an unrecorded. Uh, there's an unrecorded appearance of Jesus to Peter. Uh, Paul refers to it in First Corinthians fifteen fifteen, and Luke also says, you know, the Lord has arisen and appeared to Simon. Hmm. That's in Luke twenty four thirty four. But none of the disciples, none of the the excuse me, none of the gospels record the details of this appearance and my my belief is that they they dealt with the denials Jesus appears first to Peter and this whole business because Peter's going to take a unique position of leadership right they deal with it and so what happens when when Jesus appears again Peter's not afraid he's not you know he's not cowering am I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm, a, I'm I'm in trouble for denying him he's swimming to Jesus to get to him this is not a reluctant disciple at all but he gets there, uh, and he's a hundred yards. the The boat's a hundred yards. What's that? That's detail. Eyewitness details. I, I know what a hundred yards is. That's a football field, yeah, right? Sure. So, um, and when they land, they they see a fire of burning coals. Not just a fire, but a fire that's burned down to the coals, mm-hmm. which indicates that Jesus has been waiting for them, mm-hmm. and he's already got fish cooking. Not the fish they caught. No, his own fish. Right. He's already got fish and bread and Jesus says come and bring some of the fish you've caught and then the, then the labrador of disciples climbs aboard and all by himself drags this net full of fish 153 how many <laughs> yeah, and what is that? Eyewitness detail is that a symbolic number that re- that is you know that that translates? Well,
0: let's see, the one stands for well, the five. Well,
1: you know, people do that. Yeah. They say this is symbolic of kingdom of God, and the net wasn't broken, so that's eternal security. And no, 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 it's. I don't think it's any of that. One hundred and fifty three. When you go fishing, what's the first thing you do when you're done? You count your fish mm-hmm. and listen to what he says. One hundred and fifty three large
0: fish. <laughs> that is a fisherman. Sure, and that's who
1: John is. But with, even with so many, the net was not torn, and Jesus says, come and have breakfast. And it, isn't it interesting that uh, the Lord of the universe, who said that he commanded legions of angels, is waiting there after having experienced the glorious resurrection. He's waiting there with scars on his hands and feet, not to invite them to fall down and worship him, which would be appropriate. He's waiting there to make breakfast for them because he knows this is the same Jesus who's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still their servant. This is for me, this is why this is my favorite uh, uh, passage. And and the fact that he's there, Wayne, to make their breakfast, that's what makes me want to fall down and worship him is he's the servant he's Lord. serving. Yeah. And then we do have this, uh, this reinstating of Peter. My, my Bible has the the heading Jesus reinstates Peter but i don't believe he's reinstating him at all he calls him back well i i think he's affirming him i think this this threefold exchange is total affirmation i don't see jesus rebuking or humiliating peter at all like i said i believe that first corinthians 15:15 15, 15 passage and the luke 24:34 passage are are the times that the the denials uh had been dealt with. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean he comes up on the beach and there's a charcoal fire. You think that reminded Peter of anything? Yeah. Yeah, the
1: last time he had been by that charcoal fire was when he denied him. But it, they they come the these two best friends who've been thrown who've been through so much together and and Peter has just dragged the net and he he's the one who swam to shore and he's the one who, you know, if anybody had been demonstrating and boasting of his love, it's Peter, you know, and I can imagine Peter whispering in Jesus' ear, you know, I love you more than any of these guys. I love you more than all the rest of them put together, right? And Jesus says, do you really love me more than these? And you've got to figure out what these is. Mm-hmm. Is these the disciples or is mm-hmm. these the,
0: the nets mm-hmm. and the boats? Mm-hmm. That's a You've got to interpret that for yourself. Yeah. Many, though, look at that as his. he returned to his former way of life. He returned to fishing.
1: Yeah, and and I don't I don't go with that either. I you don't think like that? I think that's a too sim, too simplistic. I think uh, Jesus had told them to wait. They were waiting, and in the meantime, they got to eat. Okay, right, so
0: it was a practical action on their part. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I don't think Jesus. I don't know. I don't think I think Peter had been reaffirmed in that in in that first resurrection appearance, and I think that all of them are waiting for Jesus because Jesus told them to wait, and in the meantime, they just gone fishing. So Jesus, and again, I don't think this is a rebuke. Uh, uh, he says, you know. He says, yes, Lord. You know, you, you know, I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus is letting Peter know he has not forfeited uh, the 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 ability to uh, to be his disciple. He's not
0: disqualified.
1: Yeah, he is not disqualified. Yeah. So feed my lambs, and then he turns to Simon again and says, do you do you truly love me? And Peter says, yes. You know that I love you. And Pete, I don't. Again, I don't think Peter. Peter knows he's not being rebuked. And then Jesus, he's affirming him. Okay, Peter, go for it. Take care of my sheep, okay? And the third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And again, I don't think he was hurt because he was feeling rebuked. I think Peter was hurt because uh, he 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 was not able to make himself clear to Jesus about how much he really loved him. And his response is very much in character. He says, look, you know everything, hmm. Right. And I know that, you know, everything and, you know, that I know that, you know, everything. And so he, he's not afraid of anything. He's not cowering. He's listen. You know, everything, you know, I love you. OK. And so Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then he arms Peter with the knowledge of his own death. Oh gosh! Yeah. And this is amazing. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself out and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out. And that's the key. Mm-hmm. In, in, uh, in, in, uh, in the first century, there were two metaphors for being crucified. One is to be lifted up, and the second is to be stretched out. Okay, And so Jesus is letting him know he's going to be crucified, and Peter understood that. Uh, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And And when the time comes for Peter to be crucified, we know uh, from church history and from reliable sources that he asked to be crucified upside down. Yes.
0: Well, what is this about Peter and John here then at the end of the chapter in the book?
1: Well, I think this, this is this uh, older brother, younger brother relationship. Uh, I don't think Peter is, again, because Jesus is not, I think, really rebuking Peter, but they're walking along and John is always there. I think Jesus had sort of been the big brother figure for John. He, John leans against his breast. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can be intimate with him in mm-hmm. that way.
0: And Peter says, Lord, what about him?
1: He, yeah, he looks back. Je- Jesus has told Peter what his fate's going to be, and he looks back at John. And he goes, "Now, what about him? And Jesus is just, he's clarifying things. Listen, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. And again, Wayne, I don't think that's rebuke. I think we make Jesus too shallow if we read that as rebuke. Mm-hmm. I think that's encouragement. Mm-hmm. Listen, Peter, you know, Peter, look, look at me. <laughs> Give me your attention, right? Mm-hmm. Um Don't worry about him. You need to follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Yeah. You got it? You got it? So, and here we go. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So this addition is the explanation. John has died. John has died. And we know from uh, Thessalonians that there was this heresy in the early church that the second coming had happened, and people had been left behind, see? And uh, John wants, uh, wants it to be clear. His disciples wanted to be clear that that's not what has
0: happened. Verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were to be written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a contrast to uh, Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, he says, to the writing of books, there's no end. Huh. And it's very pessimistic and very dark. And I think because a lot we haven't talked about this, but a lot of John is based on the wisdom writings of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's John's way of saying no. Of the writing of books, there's no end. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. There's no end of, 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 of Jesus. Of, of the books that we could write about this person, mm-hmm. Jesus. He, we're so excited mm-hmm. about him.
0: Wow. We've finished our study of the book of John. Yeah, it feels good to,
1: to finish a book, doesn't it?
0: But you must sing for us, Stranger on the Shore. Oh, yeah. Perfect song here at the end of this book.
1: Yeah, one of the first songs I ever wrote for William Lane after I heard him preach a sermon on this passage.
2: Seemed familiar, asking what the night had brought. With taut anticipation, then he listened to his order and, pulling in the net, found more than they had ever caught. The one he loved first recognized. The stranger there was Jesus He alone remembered This had happened once before The one who had denied Him Who had once walked on the water Jumped in and swam to Him To be confronted On the shore You need to be confronted by the stranger on the shore, you need to have him search your soul, you need to hear the call, you need to learn exactly what it means for you to follow, you need to realize that he's asking for it all. For them was waiting on the fire the smell of bread the sizzle of the fish upon the coals the laughter and the joy at once more being all together they didn't realize that he was searching all their souls then came the painful questions that would pierce the soul of Simon. A threefold chance to reaffirm the love he had denied. The gentle eyes that saw his heart and waited for an answer had seen the look upon his face the moment he. So
0: If you'd like to go further in the study of the book of John, uh, look for Michael's book, John, the Gospel of Wisdom. It's available along with Michael's other books at michaelcard.com. Coming up, we'll take you to Italy for our next conversation and more of Michael's music here in the studio. Coming up next week in the studio with Michael Card, Michael will open the word and teach on the life of Jesus. And there'll be guest conversations and plenty of music woven throughout the hour that will inspire you to follow Christ in new and deeper ways. The instruments are tuned and the Bible is open, so make sure you join us for this unforgettable session. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear this program on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. All the details at michaelcard.com. Our next interview coming up in just a moment here in the studio with Michael Card. Earlier, I mentioned our website, which is michaelcard.com. Let me mention that we're also on Facebook at Michael Card Music, and you'll find Michael on Twitter as well. Spread the word about this podcast radio program in the studio. You're listening to Sea of Souls, and this time it does come from the CD of Fragile Stone. But Michael's right here in the studio to play and sing this for us, so let's listen.
2: Jesus shouts, Behold, you stand beside the sea of soul. I left my nets and boats behind to follow him so I could find way to cast a different line upon the sea of souls, upon the sea of souls. We ride the tides of time, and Jesus shouts, behold, you stand beside a sea of souls.
0: Looking forward to this conversation we're going to have now. Mm. When were you in Italy, Michael?
1: Oh, I don't know how I many, 10 years ago, maybe probably longer than that. But everywhere you go, you meet friends. It, it's amazing. You know, Jesus says, you know, you're going to have homes. You, if you leave your home, you're going to have many homes. Well, I have a home in Rome, you know, and, <laughs> and I have a friend in Rome who I could show up anytime and uh, and Corrado, I, I know he would make me welcome. We just, we're brothers uh, and and since that. So we spent uh, actually two times in, I was in Rome with, uh, with uh, Corrado Primavera, who is uh, a pastor and a Bible teacher, he also does tours and lectures on the sites. Uh, he is a PhD in archaeology, so he is very well uh, well versed. But most importantly, he's just a sweet brother.
0: Nice, and uh, nice. I've got lots of stories about our time together in Rome. Okay, and Corrado will give you equal time to tell Michael's stories too, if you'd like. So, welcome.
3: Thank you so much, and uh, and is so nice to spend this time with you, and uh, nice brothers, and uh, I remember the great time I spent with Mike in Rome. Yes, it was about, I think, uh, eight, ten years ago.
1: Yeah, and I remember one of my biggest memories is uh, we were picking your wife up someplace, and we were late, and she got in the car, and she was a little bit uh, uh, miffed, and she said, Mamma mia! And so I got to hear yeah. a real Italian woman say "Mamma mia" to her husband. It and was mean like, it, yeah. And I've, I've talked about it. I told that story. I mean, way more than going to the, you know the Coliseum or anything like that. I got to hear that. So and it, and and Carrado's wife is also uh, amazing. So uh, so welcome, good brother. Thanks for uh, for staying up and talking to us. I know it's like four o'clock in the afternoon there.
3: Thank you for yeah. having me yeah. with you and uh, my joy. <laughs>
1: So, Mike,
0: um, how did you relate with Corrado here?
1: We did a couple of shows on the life of Peter there, oh, and okay. so uh, we, you know, we're tapping into his expertise. And so we went to the Mamertine Prison, and you know, we went to various sites, the Colosseum, various sites that have to do
0: with early Christianity. Yeah. So, Corrado, introduce yourself to us. What, what do you do in life, and why this interest in uh, in all things biblical?
3: I at the present I am a a pastor of a small local church in uh, in Rome and uh, our passion is to share Jesus Mm. to other people and uh, and also along with that I am teaching in a leadership training program that uh, want to equip. Uh, pastors and leaders uh, to do their own ministry in uh, in Italy, and teaching also ancient Roman history for Christian students coming to Rome for their studies abroad.
0: Oh, boy, I'd love to do that sometime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's
1: incredible to walk on the site, I mean, I've been in the Mamertine Prison with Corrado explaining all the details and when Peter was there, and here's the hole in the ceiling where they would have dropped him down through, and that sort of thing. And uh, he really does make it come alive. Hmm. Well, let's talk about Peter, shall we? Yeah, we earlier Corrado, we were talking about John 21 and where Jesus reinstates Peter, uh, but I want to hear from you, your impression because you've 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 taught and you've you've studied so much uh, of Peter in Rome. In 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 your experience, describe to us the person that Peter became when he got to Rome.
3: Well, uh, it was a tough time for uh, for him and uh, for any other Christians because he was ruling one of the meanest emperor of that time mm-hmm. named Nero. Yeah, so we are around the sixties of the first century after Christ, A.D. And um, and we have these testimonies from uh, the early fathers of the Church, uh, like Clemens of Rome and even uh, Ignatius of Antioch, that are mm, taking notes about the presence of both apostles in Rome. So we know about Paul, uh, and also we imply that even Peter was uh, in uh, in Rome. Rome was really a tough soil.
1: And tough. And, and these were people who, yeah. who knew Peter, right? They saw Peter and John.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, actually, Ignatius was uh, a disciple of the Apostle John. Yeah and uh and he traveled from Antioch, like the apostle Paul, he was a prisoner mm. and was taken uh to Rome to be martyrized wow. so uh in one sense uh Peter really uh experienced what Jesus says since you quoted uh john twenty one mm. uh when Peter was asking. The Lord and all. What will be about this young apostle that is John? Mm-hmm. And and the Lord replied to him, uh, "It's not your matter." <laughs> mm-hmm. What's that to you? <laughs> it's not, it's your, not your matter. <laughs> you just care to follow me.
1: Yeah. So when Peter gets to Rome, uh, the the church is already there, right? Uh, it's a very small group of believers. Or what's the church like when he gets there?
3: Well, uh, there were there were uh, several. House churches mm-hmm. in uh, in Rome and uh, although several, although there were several groups uh, of Christians that gathered in uh, one of those houses mm-hmm. they uh, fell to be one church and and the evidence is even that the apostle Paul wrote the letters to the Romans to one church mm-hmm. but in chapter sixteen we we read about several houses, houses mm-hmm. for uh, gathering these believers mm-hmm. uh, together. So we can imply there were uh, a, a good number of people, not so many compared to a city in that time that was a million, a million and a half wow. already. Uh, so it was the church of the Roman Empire, the, mm-hmm. the main church. So uh, compared to, to the number of cities, then, it was a small group. But yeah. what we can imply, it was uh, a meaningful group uh, under the supervision of some uh, bishops, like one of those was Clemens of Rome.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, when we were together, didn't you tell me that most of the Christian uh, house churches were in the Jewish section of Rome? Am I remember that correctly?
3: Yeah, this could be surely one of the neighbors, uh, the Jewish quarter Mm -hmm. uh, nearby the Tiber River, and possibly even the Apostle Paul, uh, when he was under his house of arrest, uh, lived in the same neighborhood. Uh, So um, today it's possible to visit Rome and through the presence of some ruins of those houses, mm-hmm. we can imply the, the neighborhood, the quarter uh, of the city uh, where uh, those Christians live.
0: I remember walking through that neighborhood, and, and I wish I would known then what you've just told me now.
3: Well, we were
1: together on the Fabrizio, the bridge, and didn't you tell me, uh, uh, Corrado, that this is a bridge that Paul probably walked across?
3: Well, yeah, it's because he was already there. Yeah. that bridge was already built. Wow! <laughs> and uh, and so uh, possibly the, the the Apostle Paul. Let's remember, he was a Roman citizen. There mm-hmm. was no charge against him, so he had a a, a relative, relatively speaking, uh, freedom to move around. Mm-hmm. And so possibly we can uh, guess that he walked through that bridge.
0: Boy, that brings the Bible to life, doesn't wow. it? Okay, let can we
1: jump to 64 and talk about the fire and uh just go from there?
3: Yeah, uh <laughs> it was July 64 uh AD and uh, uh it was very common to have a fire in uh, in the city. And uh, and this is because of the wooden structures of the houses and stores. Uh the the light was, source was uh Uh, Through oil lamps and uh, and torches, so was enough a spark to Mm. start the fire. Mm -hmm. But during Nero's time in sixty four, July sixty four, it was it was a fire very different because the emperor left the city burning for nine days Mm. in a row, Mm. and three quarter of the city burned down, Mm. and Christians were blamed. Because of that,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, Tacitus says that he he had to find a scapegoat, and and Bill Lane used to say, "Well, everyone hated the Christians anyway, so they just blamed them."
3: Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. and 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 as a consequence, it was one of the heaviest persecutions against Christians. Although the Roman judgmental system didn't have a law against them, uh-huh. so mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that beyond uh, we have uh, a latin writer Sallustius that uh, he was uh, writing about the life of Nero and uh, he quoted that the only accusation was that christians hate the the humanity and uh, and and because they were followers of that christ that was crucified under Pontius Pilate no mm-hmm. so, uh, they they didn't have a law. They have to invent <laughs> a law against them. Yeah. Mm.
0: I wish we had time to drill even deeper on any one of the things we've already talked on here. But uh, in the time remaining, should we talk about Peter's death?
1: Yeah. Uh, Corrado, was was Peter not caught up in that, that persecution? Was that why he was crucified?
3: That, that is. Although we have uh, some, especially about Peter, Uh, some different opinion, uh, Mm. those who say that is amid the presence of Peter in Rome, but other uh, uh, imply from extra-biblical literature Mm. the the presence even of the Apostle Peter. And also we have a strong tradition about the presence of Peter in Rome. And uh, starting, for instance, uh, by the catacombs of San Calistus, there is a small church, uh, and, uh, and the name of that church is Domine Quo Vadis. Mm-hmm. that means from Latin, Lord, where are you going? Mm-hmm. It is a church built on the place where Peter actually was leaving the city of Rome, but met the Lord on his way, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he recognized Jesus, and, uh, and, and he asked to, to the Lord, uh, where are you going? Because he was just going to the opposite direction, uh, I, I mean, back to the city. And, and, and so the Apostle Peter understood that the Lord was calling him to go back to the city. And then happened the persecution of Nero, and all Christians were heavily persecuted. It was a cruel persecution. Christians were taken to the Stadium of Nero, where today is the Basilica of St. Peter, and they were crucified, and their bodies were burned up. And and the city was highlighted because of that fire. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we have a a beautiful tradition, even stories about the Apostle Peter, that uh, he also was crucified. Mm -hmm. But he has to the people... Please crucify me upside down mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way Jesus was. And we have a beautiful painting by Caravaggio that was a, a, a famous artist uh of the early seventeenth century that painted Peter crucified upside down. Mm. It's it's a it's a very Beautiful, realistic, and I invite all people that can come to Rome to stop by to that church to see that painting that really communicate the feeling of that very moment.
1: Well, I have a question for you. Going back to John twenty one, Jesus, in uh, the way I read it, you tell me what you think. Jesus sort of arms Peter with the knowledge of his own death because when Jesus says, "You will stretch out your hands." And John even says, this. he said this to indicate the kind of death he would die. So my, my question is, do you think Peter had thought about it all those years between being with Jesus in John 21 and ending up in Rome? Do you think he'd been thinking about uh, the fact he was going to be crucified and when the time came, I'm not going to be uh, crucified the way Jesus was, I'm not worthy? I mean, do you think he was ready for that, uh, to make that request to the Romans?
3: Well, surely uh, all the disciples took seriously any word from the Lord, mm-hmm. especially after Pentecost when mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit filled all of them. And so Peter, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm quite sure, although this is my interpretation, that he stored and kept those words in his heart, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he couldn't knew... He, he couldn't know what kind of that, but uh, he was kind of expecting uh, that something like that could happen.
1: Ah, uh, okay, okay.
0: Well, wow. I'm just sitting here stunned. Oh yeah, uh, this this is so good. Uh, he can he can do this for days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corrado Primavera, uh, Michael's friend and pastor there in Rome has been with us here, and uh, we're going to have to do this again sometime, Mike. You know that, right?
1: Yeah. Is it okay if we uh, connect with you later and talk about some other aspect of uh, Christianity in Rome?
3: Oh, yes. Nice. I will enjoy that. Yeah, All right. we
0: will too. All right. And I want to meet you someday, too. So we'll we'll work on that with in Michael. Rome. In Life. Rome. We'll Life. meet in Rome. I,
3: I, I'm in Rome waiting for you guys.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Corrado, uh, I think you'll appreciate what Michael's going to sing for us now uh, in the studio. This Thank is, you. This is called Living Stones.
2: Living Stones, Living Stones, we are holy. foundation that is Jesus and as we cling to that rock who became a stumbling block we remember we are living stones see in Zion he is known a chosen precious cornerstone and the ones who come to trust in Him, will never know the shame that He bore all the cross when it seems that all was lost He's the stone that makes men stumble the no rod that makes them fall Living stones, living stones, we are holy living stones, built upon That is Jesus And as we cling to that rock Who became a stumbling block We remember we are living stones And by the word of His mouth We are made one holy house Though we live as scattered strangers We are not homeless, we are free, we are one family, one foe, one overseer of our souls. We remember we are living stones. We remember we are living stones.
0: And we have Peter to thank for that image of living stones.
1: Yeah, we? I think it's in First Peter he talks about that we as living stones. But isn't it cool if you think about the fact that his name means stone? Hmm. It's the one of the nick. It's the nickname that Jesus gave him. I mean, his name isn't Peter. His name is Simon, right? Yeah. And he doesn't take that name to himself and go, "Jesus called me. I'm the rock. I'm Peter. I'm, <laughs> Aren't no, I special?" No. He goes, "We all, as living stones." He almost he he offers that nickname, I guess, in one sense to all of us. We're all. We can stand right beside Peter and be part of building up this incredible uh, entity called the church.
0: Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah, I understand. And it has been fun to, to take a closer look at Peter yeah. here in the studio today. Any thoughts as we wrap up, though? Well, you
1: know, I think the natural um, question is, so what do, what do we do? I mean, having looked at his life and having seen the fact that he really gave everything, you know, how do you respond to that? And, and I can say these words. I haven't done it in my life really very well, but— the, re, the only appropriate response is to say, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm all in, right? I'm going to give my life. Hmm. There's no other appropriate response,
0: is there? Yeah. I was thinking back to what you said with our guest, uh, Corrado, and about how Peter had been thinking about his eventual death all those years. Yeah. I'd never thought about that well, before.
1: And I, I think Jesus clearly, I would say it this way, Jesus clearly arms him with the knowledge of his own death. Because when Jesus says, you will stretch out your hands, there are two ways to talk about crucifixion. You will be lifted up or you will be stretched up. When Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, he doesn't mean worshipped. We think worshiped, yeah, lifted we up do. means yeah. but For Jesus, lifted up means to be crucified. And so when when uh, Jesus says that to Peter, it's it's a clear reference. It's not so clear to us, but it was a clear reference to Peter that he was going to be crucified. So I do. I think that when, when the time came, he'd been thinking about it. Yeah. So he says, no, I'm... I, I'm I'm not going to be crucified the way Jesus was. I'll be crucified upside down.
0: This makes me want to go back into the scriptures again. I hope that's happening in listeners' yeah. lives as they're listening to our conversations, too. That's what we want to happen. But it makes me want to go back into the scriptures <laughs> yeah. and try to
1: find what, what are other little details and connections that
0: we can make. Yeah. So maybe that's the lesson, the takeaway from today's program, yeah. huh? Yeah. You're never going to
1: get to the bottom. I was with I was with Bill Lane when he died, and he said, uh, I've only scratched the surface.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael, and thanks for listening to our podcast program, In the Studio with Michael Card. We are found on iTunes. I hope you are subscribing to the program through iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and when there's an opportunity, leave a review of what you hear. That helps greatly attract other people to listen to what you enjoy here with Michael each week, In the Studio with Michael Card. One more thing, uh, we'd love to hear your request for songs you'd like Michael to sing here in the studio. You can email that request to us. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And I'll repeat that it's in the studio at michaelcard.com. And then don't forget to join us on Facebook and Twitter as well. It's a great way to meet other listeners who enjoy what you enjoy as you listen. Facebook.com slash Michael Card Music and Michael Card on Twitter. For Michael, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here in the studio with Michael Carr.